welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. Holy Week is here. That just seems unbelievable to me. Holy Week is here. Our journey through Lent is getting close to the cross. And we're going to have time to walk through each step of that journey of Holy Week this week. And while it's certainly my hope and my goal that everyone is able to participate in the Monday, Thursday, and the Good Friday, because jumping straight from praises in the streets of Hosanna to the empty tomb misses a good chunk of the story and the meaning of what Christ came to do. But not everyone's able to do that. I understand. We'll have them live streamed. So if you would want to join in to that part of the story with us. But we are here this morning, nonetheless, to focus on Palm Sunday and what that day meant. So we're going we're gonna to pray, and then I'll set the stage a little bit, then we'll read the passage, and then we'll consider the passage. So please pray with me. Lord, I thank you for the work that you have done in the existence of all creation, in the way that that culminates in Jesus Christ, all things come together, and that we get to experience the meaning, the work of your spirit in our hearts as we come to the scripture. And so I ask that you speak, bless what has been prepared, speak through me in spite of me, let us hear you in spite of ourselves. Lord, we give this time to you, and may the way we give it be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. You and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. I could spend days unpacking these 13 verses, but I won't do that to you. Um, There's so much loaded in there, echoes from countless passages in the Old Testament and meaning to do with the context. I'm going to try to be as brief as I can, but we'll set the stage a little bit. This is in the middle of chapter 19, and It was at the very end of chapter 18 that this story really kind of began, the scene, when Jesus healed a blind man, and the blind man called out to him, son of David. It's the first time in the gospel that term has been used, son of David, which tells us Jesus is in the line of kings and is a king by his bloodline. But the question is, what kind of king? He helps the blind man see what he couldn't see before, symbolic. And then the next story in Jericho, he then does something that is impossible. He heals a rich man, which just a few verses prior, he said it was easier to get a camel through the eye of a needle than to heal a rich man, for the rich man to enter into the kingdom. And yet, Jesus meets Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, this tax collector who has extorted his own people, has dinner with Jesus, which made everyone mad, of course. And Zacchaeus gave away half of his possessions, if you can imagine what that number might look like in your life. Now imagine you've been ripping off your neighbors for a long time. He gave away half to the poor, and then he said, anyone I've cheated, I will give back four times what I took. Zacchaeus goes from the tree to the ground. He also goes from being really rich to probably in poverty, along with his neighbors. The impossible is done. God's power is in Jesus. This king can do things no one else can do. And then he offers a strange parable, which I was not very familiar with. And I I doubt many people in here have actually studied it. But if you go and read the parable between the healing of Zacchaeus and our passage today, the entrance into Jerusalem, 
you find a really strange passage about greedy kings who kill their enemies, who take from those who have little and give to those who have much. Now, we've heard some of these ideas before, but what Jesus is uplifting is telling the story of how a lot of kings in his days came to power. They went to a distant land, Rome, asked for power to be king, even though a lot of the people were saying, please don't do this because this person's not a good person. But they got appointed anyway. They would kill their enemies. They would take from the poor and give to their friends. And this was the way kings were. Jesus is a king who does the impossible, who was not like other kings. You follow on the story? So Israel had always longed for a king. They're waiting for the king. But the question is, what kind of king are they waiting for? What kind of king are they going to get? And will those ideas be reconciled, which we know they won't, which is why we have Good Friday. They missed the mark. So Jesus' parable of this rich and greedy and vengeful king is just like all the kingdoms that people know, maybe like the one they expect, except when their king comes, they'll benefit and their enemies will be destroyed. That's an appealing thought. We have these thoughts too, do we not? So Jesus is going to enter Jerusalem as this different kind of king, and he's going to enter through a procession, a common way for a king or ruler to enter. Alexander the Great entered into Jerusalem through a procession just a few hundred years prior. The way a procession works, and maybe Pilate entered the same way, there are some basic elements. The ruler or the person in power comes in on a war horse to land the message, and then is surrounded by an army to make the message unmissable. And then as people singing and dancing and singing psalms and songs of peace, but the peace that this authority figure brings in, basically, listen to me or I'll kill you, and that's how we keep things peaceful. And then they might throw some sort of thing onto the road or wave branches or show signs of the sovereignty of the authority of this ruler. And then the ruler would go to the heart of the city. Depends on what the city is, but in Jerusalem it would be the temple. And they would go there and make some sort of sign about who they were. That's a procession. Jesus is going to do this. He's going to change a couple little details. And it's the changes that we want to pay attention to. It's the changes that should stick out. So let's hear the passage and look for the tweaks. After Jesus said this, he continued on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As Jesus came to Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he gave two disciples a task. He said, go into the village over there. When you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying it? Just say, its master needs it. Those who had been sent found it exactly as he had said. As they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, its master needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their clothes on the colt, and lifted Jesus onto it. As Jesus rode along, they spread their clothes on the road. As Jesus approached the road leading down from the Mount of Olives, the whole throng of his disciples began rejoicing. They praised God with a loud voice because all of the mighty things they had seen. They said, Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heavens. 
Some of the Pharisees from the crown said to Jesus, Teacher, scold your disciples. Tell them to stop. He answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the stones would shout. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. So we have the army of people following Jesus riding in. We have the songs of peace being sung. We have the cloaks being thrown on the ground as a sign of his sovereignty. And eventually, see the, some of the religious leaders, some, not all, some, try to stop him. Because the next step is going into the, the center and making a proclamation about what you're there to do and what your authority is about. And he will. He'll go to the temple and he'll do something that makes everyone really mad. But our scene stops before he does that. So what's different about Jesus' procession? I mean, they make a lot of effort in Luke to zero in on the difference. The young donkey, not a war horse, right? Instead of being up high looking down on something powerful, Jesus on a colt of a donkey that had never been written probably didn't sit much higher than anyone else did standing up. He wasn't looking down on anybody. And he wasn't there to flex. That's a common term today if you don't know. It's like showing off, it's flexing. I learn lots of stuff from my 17-year-old, although I'm probably already a year behind the terminology. <laughs> Jesus says, go and get this donkey. He must have prearranged. The people knew the Lord would need it. There's no question there, maybe. But he sends them, go to, to get it, bring it to me. And then he didn't sit on it. They sat him upon it one that had never been ridden. There's echoes of Genesis, Psalms, Zechariah, Kings. There's things that tie to Abraham and Jacob and David and Solomon and the Messiah. All would have been present in the mind of a first century reader. All that to say this, Jesus is the king bringing to fruition all that had been promised in Abraham. Jesus is entirely different than any other son of David. And Jesus is bringing the long-awaited peace to Jerusalem. Peace. The word peace. We might describe that in different ways. It's not the absence of anything. It's the presence of something. The uh, Hebrews would have held up uh, the letter Shem. Looks like this, funny looking, but it, you've probably seen it like this, right? Yeah. It's shalom. Peace be upon you. Peace be present in you, wholeness, not only in you, but in your relationship to God and with others and yourself. May peace be upon you. Now, Spock said it a little differently, but it was the same blessing. It's the same idea. Leonard Nimoy was Jewish, if you didn't know. He, brought a Jew, he smuggled a Jewish prayer into Star Trek. Go figure. Pretty cool. So the songs they sing, peace in heaven, glory in the highest heaven. It was at Jesus' birth that it was peace on earth, glory in the highest heaven, we're seeing the whole scene here where angels sang in Bethlehem. It's a multitude of the ragtag people Jesus had met along the way compared to angels. It's pretty cool. Jesus is ushered in with a crowd of salvation, healed people. It's beautiful. The peace he brings is not a peace through might and violence. The peace he brings is something else. It's the presence of wholeness. Now, they were longing for it, all the people, but they didn't welcome it because they had the wrong idea about peace. They had the wrong idea about kings, which if we're honest, we do too sometimes. Amen? They wanted peace through sword and might 
and war. And sometimes we look to those as if that might be the way to peace. We struggle with this. Don't we often hear God's actions lifted up by leaders of faith envisioning that God will destroy the enemy? It's the same idea. Haven't you heard prayers lifted up to bring down those who oppose us? We say oppose God, but what we mean sometimes is who oppose us. Or we're familiar with the image of Jesus riding out on a white horse, wielding a sword, ready to kill, don't we? You've heard this image. You've seen it. It's popular. I've seen paintings of it. There are times when we're right there with some of the religious leaders, and we're saying to this other idea of peace, quiet, enough of that, silence. But there are also times when we're with the multitude, right? When we see that kind of peace and we welcome it and we celebrate it, when we welcome the king and we hail him as king, the king of his peace, there are times when we are aware that we all have pasts, that we all have present day struggles, that none of us are perfect, that we are no better, no worse than any other human being. And we have Jesus who brings us the peace all the same as anyone else. It's a good awareness to have. It transforms relationships when we can hold that awareness and that kind of peace. Now, once we begin following, are you perfect? Raise your hand if you're perfect. Raise your hand if you're on the way to perfection. This is our belief, friends. We say yes to the Spirit, and then we begin a walk following as disciples, and one day, not on this side of death, we will be perfected in our faith. And the Holy Spirit's working with us, which means day one of my following, hopefully I'm a lot further down the road of wholeness and peace years down the road. Amen? And hopefully I'm a lot further years, days from now. If I'm not moving, where am I going? The difference about if you're going or not is often with how you understand peace and how you understand your king. They, they had struggled in Jesus' day, and he was standing right in front of them. They thought that the ancient words, all these things that were peppered into these 13 verses, were to define who Jesus was, what he was here to do, and how he was going to do it. But it's wrong. It's backwards. Jesus is going to define the ancient words and images. Does that make sense? They expected Jesus to fit into what they thought from those words, which is why they struggled. They had to let go of their expectation so that they could allow Jesus to actually define the expectation correctly. Like some of the religious leaders, we get wrapped up in our own understandings and our own traditions. And sometimes those understandings and traditions become the focus of our worship. And they define our action. And they can even define Jesus. Am I missing the mark here? Should be the other way around. Jesus should be defining our understandings and our traditions. Amen? Whether in our own hearts or our own selves, this is the epitome of our struggle today. In our community, in our country, in our church. We demand that Jesus' way match ours rather than demand that our way match Jesus. And our idea of Jesus should change as we go along and become more aware and become better and become more perfected. Do you think when these people that followed Jesus that day, these least of these, do you think they encountered Jesus the way they expected when they met him? Do you think he did everything they thought he would? No, 
He does exactly the opposite time and again. It's as if the writer is trying to tell us, Jesus will not be what you expect. And they are willing to follow him into Jerusalem, making this loud ruckus that as it gets the attention of Rome, they could be killed. Jesus is. The rest of them flee. But they follow him that day because he is their king. His kingdom way of living and being is the only way. Amen? The donkey cult, along with the cleansing of the temple, says some pretty bold things about who Jesus is. It's up to them to accept it, not up to Jesus to fit in. And they won't. Will you? Will we? We can have peace. We can have it right now. Are you willing to give up control? Are you willing to loosen your grip on your understanding and set it down and allow Jesus to guide you in the way of understanding? If Jesus rode in here today, I promise you it would not look like you expect. There might be people with him you didn't expect. It might be done in a way you didn't expect. Would you be ready to change your understanding and join in? Or would you be saying, ah, that's a little much, Jesus? Are you willing to go where Jesus goes? I hope so. We need Jesus, amen? And it seems clear that Jesus needs us. We are the body. We are the church. The Lord is calling us. We are the gathered multitude today. And our good news is that Jesus Christ gathers us in the way of peace and leads us in a life lived in peace with God, with our neighbors and our enemies, and even ourselves. We only need to let go. Will you receive that peace today? And when you get up from this seat in this space where it's a little easier to receive the peace and you're out in traffic or you're watching the news about what somebody's done now, or when your neighbor does that thing that drives you crazy, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you probably do something to drive them crazy. Will you embrace peace then, or will you fight for your own way? Receive peace. Let go, unclench, lay down your weapons. Lay down your judgments. Give up the fight. That's not the way of our king. Receive peace. Let Christ lead you. And then allow the peace within you to be a revelation of the kingdom peace to your neighbors, to your enemies. Because we need Jesus Christ. Amen? And the Lord needs us. Amen? We thank you for worshiping with us. And it is our hope that through the Holy Spirit, you have felt the touch of God upon your life. If you would like to know more about our church and its ministries, please visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.